0: I think emotional regulation really gets thrown around a lot, but what does it actually mean?
1: Thank you so much for agreeing to have a chat with me about this very, very important
0: topic of a relationship check-in. Thank you, Kylie. I am excited for this one because I've been getting a lot of requests since posting a picture on Instagram about having a relationship meeting, and I'm glad I can speak to you about it and also get your thoughts and insights on it as well.
1: Well, given that we're at the start of a brand new year, I think people are often thinking about their own sort of personal New Year's resolutions or goals. And it's not as common for people to think about their relationship goals or sitting down and going, okay, what are we doing wrong? What are we doing right? What do we want more of in this relationship? And we know, like, we know that our relationships really impact our health, our wellness, all the areas of our life. So I think it's a great idea and it's a great prompt for our listeners to go, hey, do you need to sit down with your person and have a chat
0: and schedule that relationship meeting? 100%. I think we get so busy and so caught up in the the day-to-day grind, going with the motions, that people actually don't stop and say, how are we going? How is our relationship health? I think People are very focused on physical health or mental health, which is great. But relationship health, like you said, impacts so many areas. So it is crucial that we make the time because we are so time poor in this day and age to check in. So what exactly is a relationship meeting?
1: Just quickly, a word from today's sponsors. Unless, of course, you're one of our Venti members, in that case, there are no ads and your episode is about to keep playing.
0: Okay, so a relationship meeting or relationship check in, a marriage meeting, you can call it whatever you like, it's basically a structured time for couples to assess the health of their relationship. So, similar to a work meeting, you set an allocated time and you discuss certain things in your relationship. Now, it's a foundational practice which allows you to address underlying issues in your relationship. Capitalize on what's working, maybe what you need to work on, and plan a future together. We want relationships to be intentional. So it's just a structured time that you set together, and it can be weekly, monthly, uh, bi monthly, whatever suits you, where you sit down together and you fit it into your schedule.
1: And so, if someone is listening right now, and they're thinking, "Okay, if I bring this up to my partner, he or she is just going to like automatically think the worst." It's like that, you know. You know, when you get a text message, that says, "We need to talk," and it's like, "Dun dun." dun. Oh. Like, how do you yes. frame? How do you frame it to your significant other?
0: Yes, a lot of people will be listening to this or thinking, Pfft, as if my partner's going to do that. I can't even get them to do the dishes, but. We need to talk is the worst statement you can say ever. Never, ever, ever, ever say we need to talk. And we're all guilty of it. We've all done it. I think it's been shown a lot growing up in movies and we just pick up on it. So if you really want to start to do this, but you think your partner may not be on board, avoid saying we need to talk. Try to frame it in an easy, low pressure conversation to help put your partner at ease and be more receptive To the idea. So, generally, when I started dating my partner, I made this a regular thing. I acted like it was something I did and it was normal because I wanted to go into this relationship and do it not right, but implement strategies or techniques that I didn't have in my previous relationship. So, bringing it up and saying, hey, what do you think of the idea? We meet maybe monthly or we set a time weekly. Just to check in and see how we're both feeling, and seeing that we're both feeling happy and fulfilled, and we can find ways to do that if we're not feeling happy and fulfilled. So just bring it up gently. You can, you know, send them an article on it. You can send them this podcast. Um, but I think it's to f- the key is to frame it in a way that it's, hey, this is going to be beneficial for you, and it's going to be beneficial for me.
1: Yeah, I think the old, I heard this in a podcast is the best way to like casually slide it in. I was listening to this podcast today and they were talking about relationship check-ins and I was thinking we should try it.
0: Yes. Yeah. Slide it into their DMs, send the link. And I think that is a great way in this day and age to share an idea or a topic that you want to bring up uh, with your partner. And
1: do you recommend people do this outside of the home?
0: That's a really good question. So I believe when setting up a relationship check-in, obviously, this is going to determine or depend on your circumstances. Do you have kids? Do you have the ability to go out? But bring it up in an environment that feels really good for you. So for example, you know, pick a regular time. So I guess these are the relationship check-in check-in steps. Uh, pick a regular time. Right? And do it in a time you're in good spirits. You don't want to do this after work when you're both absolutely exhausted, you've got no energy. So maybe a weekend might be a good plan, or in the morning might be a good plan. Where you should do it to answer your question, it really depends. I think an environment that makes you both feel good. So for me, I love to go to my, one of my favorite cafes on the Gold Coast, grab a coffee, grab a pen and paper. We're away from home. We're out of the distractions. We're not going to think, oh, my God, just let me do this or let me do that. You're more mindful and you're more present. But for some people, it, you know, might be at home, but it could be just sitting, you know, outside or uh, sitting at a different section of the house. Like if you normally relax on the couch, like let's maybe sit at, at a table. Where would you do it if you were to do this? What do you think would vibe for you and your partner?
1: A hundred percent. We have these conversations when we're out on a date night And it's not in the way of like bringing down the mood and making it serious. It's just like, no, we're out. You are in an environment where, I don't know, like date night, you're looking at your partner through those eyes again, where you're noticing more of the things that you love. And you do want to be more, I guess, intentional with the way that you speak to them. And you are, I think, more likely to highlight the positive over the negative, whereas I think, like you said, Steph, at the end of the day, it's a long day of parenting. It's a long day of working. It's, it's a long day just in general. You might be more likely to be a bit nitpicky and a bit defensive as well. Whereas I think that if you're out on a date night, you're in good spirits and the tone of date night is to enjoy yourself and to enjoy each other. And it's coming together and I think making it a really positive thing.
0: Yes, I love that. And I love the idea of a regular date night. This is extremely important. And when we don't have this, I feel it. I feel like a different person. I feel we're not connecting. I feel distant. And obviously it was harder because I was overseas for 60 days. I didn't see my partner. So that was a huge uh, challenge, but something we can get into another time. But yes a date night is a great idea because it also has a time limit and this is something you want to focus on you don't want this to become this huge like chore or this draining activity whereas if you have a date night you know it's you know an hour two hours however long it is and you can take turns to cover different topics and one of the topics you said is celebrate the wins start by what do you appreciate about each other What are some good things your partner did this week that made you feel good? It could be helping you with your morning coffee. It could be having a challenging discussion with one of the kids. It could be, I don't know, helping with the dishes. So appreciation is the secret sauce to start a great conversation in any relationship.
1: I love that. And so say people head out, they're sitting
0: down, they're starting with appreciation where to from there? Okay. Then you tell them all the stuff that pissed you off. No, I'm joking. You get the <laughs> list out. Yes, you get the list. And I think preparing for this is really good. I'm a massive fan of, and this will be really useful for, for anyone with ADHD as well. If things come up in your day-to-day life that annoy you about your partner, you may just want to explode and tell them in the moment, but. Just keep a little relationship meeting post-it note and when those things come up, put it down on your post-it and bring it up in the meeting. So anything that was annoying that week, like let's condense it to a specific time to discuss. But there's a a magic way to bring up the nitty gritty stuff in a way that's not going to make your partner defensive, not going to make them explode. So if you want me to go into that, I'm happy to go into how to bring up the nitty gritty as well. I think
1: our listeners will be nodding.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and look, no one is no one is perfect, right? Yesterday we had a little bit of a tiff. I was emotionally dysregulated. I was feeling upset, so I took myself out. I walked to the shops, walked around Pack Fair until I was more calm. And we said when we see each other, we'll talk about it. But if you're feel the first thing is if you're feeling dysregulated, if you're f- feeling angry, if you're feeling frustrated. Do not bring up topics with your partner because when you're in that dysregulated part of your brain, you're in emotional mind, you're not in logical mind and you're going to say stuff that's going to either shut them down or activate them further. And it's like putting fuel on the fire. So if you notice you're dysregulated, you're anxious, you're stressed, you're angry, like you know, you're not in that right frame of mind, go self soothe. go do something completely different and don't think about the fight try to walk through the shops do some mindfulness meditation listen to some music and then when you're in a calmer state and I think this is why date night is a good night to bring up the um the topics then you want to bring stuff up so that's my first tip is if you're going to talk about things don't do it in a state of dysregulation manage yourself and then come to the party when you're calm
1: for people, Steph, that don't know what a state of dysregulation means, could we just unpack that a little bit? Because I think it's really, really important to highlight what dysregulation looks like and how it is a spectrum, and it's different for, you know, a variety of people. Like, you know, for some people, dysregulation looks like uh, retreating or being mm. angry, whereas for other people, dysregulation might look like being clingier and being more emotional.
0: Yeah, that's such a good, good question because I think emotional regulation really gets thrown around a lot, but what does it actually mean? So essentially we've all heard of fight or flight. So when our brain perceives threat, we either go into fight, flight, or freeze, which is your brain's way of protecting you. So it says, well, there's danger. So I'm going to start to send a whole range of processes through your nervous system. I'm going to activate your heart. So your heart's going to beat faster because we need to run away from the perceived threat. I'm going to activate adrenaline. So you're going to feel sweaty and shaky, but we don't have time to think right now. So we're going to shut down your digestion. We're going to shut down your logical brain because we don't need logic. We just need you to run away from the the fight, flight or freeze. So when you're in your fight, flight or freeze, the way you know it is when you feel a range of body sensations. So some people may feel hot, or angry, or uh, sweaty, or shaky, whereas other people might feel it more cognitively in their brain, racing thoughts. They can't think still. It feels blurry. Think about a time where you were really, really stressed. Maybe you were in a meeting and you couldn't think of the words and it wasn't coming to you. It's when you don't feel like you could sit down and have a, a logical conversation in this moment. It's when it's very emotional. It feels it's in your body you feel angry, you want to unleash. It's almost like you're in a bit of a tantrum mode, but you're right. Some people also shut down. So you can freeze, you can withdraw, you can go into kind of like a surrender sort of state. There's different ones for everyone. But I think the key to know is, am I feeling okay right now? And if the answer is no, then that's when you want to use a strategy
1: yeah, I love that advice. And I think so often when we are in frustration with our partner, we will know that we're not coming at it from a good place. It's like you can hear yourself say something, and then there's another part of no. you that's like, don't say it, don't say it. And it's like, blah,
0: <laughs> I said it. <laughs> I literally was, yeah, I was hovering above my phone and looking at the text messages I was sending, and it was like, exclamation, exclamation, exclamation. I'm like, who is this bitch? Like who is this? And I'm, I'm a very regulated person most of the time, but yesterday there was just a part of me that just wanted to go. I was furious and I just wanted to get out. And it was like the text, 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 text. If you notice you're in emotional mind. So we call this emotional mind. You can feel it. You can see it. It's, it's like, imagine a stranger was watching what you were doing. If you would feel a little bit like embarrassed or shy or a bit, yeah, I think that's when you know you're not in, you're in emotional mind. So don't bring anything up when you are emotionally dysregulated. Correct. That is the first thing. The second thing is when you are talking, so we've got the speaker, we've got the listener. When you are the speaker, I want you to describe yourself. Like the issue is we often describe what we resent about our partner. You never listen. You never do the dishes. Whereas I want you to describe the situation and describe the feelings it elicits in you. So for example, here is what I feel when you don't respond to my messages in a timely way, or here is how I feel when the dishes are left undone, when you told me you were going to do them. And you can do this by really asking yourself, what do I want my partner to do versus what do I resent about them? What is your desired goal in bringing this up to your partner? Like, let's keep it solution focused. What is the underlying purpose or your position on this issue. And the the biggest mistake people make is they don't have a deep understanding of what the problem is before they move into compromise or solution.
1: Yes, I'm nodding along because I think this is one of the gifts of going through relationships and getting a little bit older is having that self-awareness of going, okay, we'll stick with the dishes example. It's not relative to my life because I do not care about dishes, but we'll stick with it just for example's sake. A lot of people will go into a conversation, I imagine, and go, okay, you don't do the dishes, you never do anything, you're so fucking lazy, but what they're trying to say is, I feel taken advantage of or I feel not cared for because growing up for whatever reason or as they've gone through relationships, they've connected being cared for with these sorts of domestic tasks, whereas your partner may not even understand that that's a connection for you and what they hear is that they're being attacked and that they're not good enough. So then it triggers something within them likely. And they're like, oh my gosh. And it just is this big vicious cycle. Whereas, as you said, Steph, if you go to your partner and you are vulnerable and you say, hey, this is the story that I'm telling myself about this interaction. And I end up Mm. feeling this way. And I'm not saying it's objectively fair that I feel this way, but this is why I feel this way. If your partner loves you and cares about you, they want to understand the things that make you feel good and the things that don't make you feel valued. And having that communication is just so
0: key. Yeah, absolutely. And you hit the nail on the head. It's not about the dishes. It's not about the toilet paper. It is, what does this mean to me? When my partner does or doesn't do these things, what message is it sending to me? What is it making me feel? Why does this bother me? Why does this bother me today? And you're right. Usually it's an underlying thing. They don't care. They're not listening to me. I don't feel validated. So describe the situation and how it elicits feelings in you rather than saying you never do anything. And oh my goodness, avoid the words never. I'm the biggest offender of this. When I get upset and emotional, I'm like, you never, you always, and we've talked about black and white thinking really common in a lot of women who've also struggled in their relationship with food or people with ADHD. So if you're a all or nothing person, just keep those words away from your relationship and your partner.
1: Yes. I remember hearing somewhere or perhaps reading somewhere that the moment you say never or always, like the moment you start speaking in those absolute terms, what it does to the person who is receiving that, they automatically start scanning their brain for all of the proof when it's not true. So you're saying like, you never pick the kids up from school. They're not even listening to you anymore because they're going through the list of all the times they've done that. So it's like you're actually just cutting yourself off at your knees as well if you start speaking in those absolutes because you lose the person that you're speaking to because they start to build evidence for all of the times that's not true.
0: 100%. And then you just lose the whole conversation. So, yeah, try to avoid <laughs> saying those words and I think the final thing is just if you're having conversation with your partner and these are tips if you're discussing conflict or something that's bothering you, is ask yourself, what would be your ideal dream here? What is your ultimate desired outcome when you bring this up with your partner and encourage each other to say that, like what is your ideal dream? And I described this yesterday to my partner. He said to me what his ideal dream was. And then that way we're able to compromise and move forward. But you you need to make sure that the listener understands what your issue is. So I said yesterday to my partner, like, what do you think it is that's upsetting me? Like in your brain, in your mind, what do you think the issue is? Because it can be very different. So make sure that Whoever's speaking, the listener really understands what the issue is and you agree that that's the problem before moving to the solution or the next step.
2: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm, hello? And I can imagine you've got to be very careful
1: with the way that you frame that and the tone that you frame that in, Steph, because I think if you say to a partner, like, in your brain, what is the actual problem? <laughs> They're going to be like, right, how much time do you have? But actually saying like, no, no, it's important to me that I feel heard and understood. And I want to make sure yes. that I'm making
0: sense. So can you ex- like just make sure that we're on the same page here? Correct. And your tone is very important. I know for me, that's something I've <laughs> really had to work on because tone plays such a role in our understanding and how we receive it. So I think women, especially we can you know raise our tone or we can have certain tones. So just keep it neutral, keep it soft. Like you, Kylie, you're always so soft when you speak. I need some of that softness. How do you do that?
1: I'm laughing because I don't know if that's true. I think because of my ADHD, I speak slowly. That's that's usually what it is. It's like I'm just speaking really? slowly because I'm trying to gather my thoughts and the right words. And I think that's why I often speak slowly.
0: No way! I'm like this girl must meditate every day. She's so calm. <laughs> no. How no funny! More. Yeah, it's. So I just fun. blame my. Greek background. I'm like, we're loud, we shout, like it's that. But yeah, that's something I've definitely had to work on. So even if you grew up in a family that was loud or that yelled or didn't really express things in a tone that was, you know, healthy, you can work on it. The good news is you can work on this and you can improve it in yourself and in your relationship too.
1: What are some areas that you would suggest people? kind of cover off when they're going into these relationship check-ins or meetings? Like, do you have a list of like, you know, talk about your sex life, talk about finances, you know, getting more into the specifics that you think help to keep a uh, relationship healthy?
0: Yeah, I love this. And we'll go into some sample questions as well, but essentially, you know, what, what do you want to cover? So as mentioned, make a little list as you go on. So bring up things that you want to talk about, both positive or, you know, things that you want to work on. And some common things you can bring up is, you know, what is really working in our relationship right now? What are we essentially celebrating? Like, hey, considering we've both started to go to bed at the same time, I feel that that's really been working for us. Whereas when we used to go to bed at separate times, it would create some, some challenges or some, you know, Difficulty, So talk about, you know, what's working in our relationship, what's been going well this month or this week, or, you know, prepare for this. You can like a work meeting, try to prepare a little bit for it if you can, but no stress. If you can't, then maybe you want to check off. Okay. Is there anything that feels unresolved? Is there anything from the last month or the last check-in or the last fight we had that feels unresolved? You can talk about your goals. This is one of my favorites is, okay, you know, at the moment, I really want to sit down and talk about the next year together. Like what are your goals? What are my goals? What are our shared goals? What do we want to achieve? Is there travel we want to do? Is there business goals that we have? What are our actual goals or what are the goals for this month? Depending on how often you check in, goals is a really a good one. Uh, Sorry, you go. Oh, no, I was just going to say, and anything that you've been avoiding, you know, are there certain things you've been avoiding? Is there any responsibilities that we sort of need to cover? But I think it's important not to make this an admin type of conversation. You want it to be fun. You want it to feel exciting. Like maybe, yes, there's a few uh, negatives that you need to tick off, but just remember the purpose for this is to grow together, not to kind of bash each other down.
1: Yeah. And I was just going to add to that Steph. that if anyone is listening and they have a partner who is not overly communicative, you know, communication has been something that Brendan and I have definitely had to work on in blending a family and getting to know each other and all of that stuff. And I didn't realize this super early on in our relationship that he struggled to point things out that were upsetting to him. He really, really finds it hard to speak up. And once I understood that, I was then able to kind of step in and put words around the times that I think or that I thought I was in the wrong. You know, like if I'd say like, oh, like I would just shine a spotlight on the things that I had noticed myself and bring that to the table rather than be like, oh, gosh, I hope he doesn't bring that up. I would say, hey, I know yesterday when I said X, Y, Z that was me being an asshole and this is why, and this is what, and, you know, like unpacking it a bit more. And I guess bringing it to him so that he could become a little bit more comfortable in unpacking those interactions as well is something that made a huge difference to us. And especially in the last couple of months, it's definitely made him more comfortable in pointing things out because I think sometimes you need your partner to bring things to your attention that you're unaware of because, you know, we all have our own soft spots and your partner might be continually hitting it and you just don't know
0: because you're not speaking up. Yes. I love that. I think what you're saying is role modeling and being self-aware and yes, you know, women, I think not to generalize, but if you've done therapy or if you've done journaling and all that, you do tend to be more self-aware and you do tend to notice your emotions and feelings because women externalize it more, we talk about it more, we share it with our friends, whereas males tend to be more uh, internal. So they sort of hold it in, they think about it, they ruminate, they may, you know, go out, alcohol, whatever it might be. Everyone has different ways. But I think by role modeling what awareness looks like, it can really help partners who struggle to have the emotional literacy and skill to speak about it and I relate to this so much Kylie I think same my partner you know came into my life and he was just you know living living life doing his thing and to be dating a psychologist who is always talking about feelings and who's super aware and all this was a massive shift like he'd never done sort of coaching or much self-development and he's just been thrown into this and what I would notice is he would get triggered or would get dysregulated. And I would encourage him and say, look, are you feeling triggered right now? What's coming up for you? And just ask some questions and being curious rather than critical. Like for example, yesterday, he kind of had this outburst because he was cleaning the house and he got really annoyed and upset. And and I said, what's wrong? Like, why are you feeling this? And he's, I feel like I'm doing this on my own. I feel like you're not helping me. And I sort of encouraged him to explore, well, To in my mind, we had this allocated system of what we were going to do that day. And I understand that you're feeling this, this and this. And we unpacked it. So I think exactly what you said, we can point out our own flaws and we can role model to other people what it looks like to be vulnerable, to take accountability and to admit, yeah, I was an a-hole. So I did that yesterday. I acknowledged like, yeah, there was things I said and did and uh, that went through my mind and I take full responsibility. And I think that's a really, really powerful is to admit and take accountability and role model that not only to your partner but to your kids as well. Oh, absolutely. I am the biggest proponent of just you have to
1: own your stuff. Like as parents especially, if you get it wrong, you say to your kids, I got that wrong. Like there are so many times that I'll say to the boys, you know, I might snap or just act in a way that I'm not proud of. And it's might be because I'm due for my period or because I'm stressed about something that has nothing to do with them. And I'll notice it and I will go to them and I will say, Hey, I just want to clear something up. That wasn't about you not wearing your helmet. That was about me. That was an adult problem. And you know, if it's appropriate, I'll Mm. share with them why. And if it's not, I'll just say, I just want you to know that that was a me problem. That was not a you problem. And we talk about it in our family in terms of like your cup overflowing and sometimes it overflows with good stuff and that good stuff spreads out and it hits the people around you. And sometimes it overflows with negative stuff and it hits the people around you as well. And it's not fair, but what you can do is you can clean up your own overflow and you can own it and say, this is mine. This is not yours. I'll pick that back up.
0: I love that metaphor. And I think the key, which you do really well, which you've spoken about, which I think I do really well too, is quick reparation. So everyone messes up. Everyone makes mistakes. Everyone says things that they don't mean, but you want to try repair it and repair it quickly. So one thing that really grinds my gears is when things are left resolved. And I always say, don't let the night before roll on to the next day. If you and your partner had a tiff, never go to bed angry, discuss it, repair quickly. If you mess up, pick up on it. Don't beat yourself up. Say, you know what? Yeah, I stuffed up. I understand you might need some time to process that, but don't let things roll out. Don't ignore each other. Don't do the silent treatment. I really think those things are really detrimental to the health of your relationship.
1: Amazing when it comes to relationship check-ins, is there anything
0: else that you wanted to add for our listeners? I think as well, don't put too many, you know, unrealistic expectations on yourself, given your, your family your situation. It could be as simple as when we do, you know, when we go driving to the grocery store, let's talk about it or let's do it on a walk. Like, if you're feeling bad that you don't do this, it's fine. Not many people do, but I hope people listen to this episode and, and start to uh, enjoy it and try it because it's healthy. It's a good strategy, but it takes time and it takes time to sort of get the process. We're not perfect at it. We did it way more in the start of the relationship and now we really want to get back into it. So don't forget the fun, you know, Pair your relationship check-ins with some tacos, with some games. Make it something you look forward to. Make each other's favourite meal or go to your favourite restaurant. So, yeah, just remember it's not a time to talk about, you know, life admin unless that's a separate meeting. But keep it short, keep it simple, and don't forget to show that appreciation to open up the conversation.
2: Yeah,
1: and I think too for anyone that has kids, particularly young kids, It's a great um, date night enforcer almost to be like, you know what, we're doing this once a month, no excuses. Yes, we might have to pay for a babysitter and that might mean that we have to sacrifice from another area if possible, or we have to, you know, enlist the grandparents or the neighbors or tag team with other friends, whatever it is. But like, no, this relationship is important enough to us that we deserve 12 nights a year, (laughs) you know, one night a
0: month to actually have a conversation about this relationship Yes. And I love that. It's an investment, not a cost. Because I think people think, oh, we can't do date night. It's it's too much. But just remember, investing in your relationship is going to pay you in other ways. It's going to give you more tolerance, more relationship satisfaction, more patience, more fulfillment and more joy. So I really hope uh, people embrace this and enjoy it.
1: Where can our listeners connect with you, Steph? I'm sure they're all already following you, but if they're not, where should they go?
0: Oh, well, you can find me on social media at mind food Steph. My Instagram is pretty lighthearted and my partner makes an appearance here and there when he's not shy. And uh, TikTok is very psychological and educational if you want that bite-sized edutainment.
1: I thought you were going to say TikTok is psychotic and I was like, yes, it is.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love TikTok so much. I'm so proud of you, by the way. I remember us having conversations saying, Kylie, you should get on TikTok and you actually did. Yes, but I'm still not using it consistently and I still don't
1: really like it as a platform if I'm honest. I've been using Sunroom so much more. I don't know if you've heard What's of that? I'm obsessed with no. it. No. Um, I'll have to send you a link. So Sunroom, it's a platform that was founded by Michelle Battersby and Lucy Mort. And Lucy came from Hinge and Michelle came from Bumble. And I've interviewed Michelle for the podcast, but they've created this app. And Sunroom is for female and non-binary creators only. And it's kind of an amalgamation of like OnlyFans without the porn and Instagram. And people can follow you, submit questions, Uh, you can create custom experiences. It's a subscription. So people pay a fee that you nominate, but there's no, um, people can't screenshot. If you take a screenshot, it's literally blocked. Like a palm tree photo comes up. And so for me, like, because I talk a lot about things that I don't necessarily want every single person to know, if I'm honest, it's been so fun for me because I can share all different workouts over there. I can talk more openly and more vulnerably. And it's like, yeah, people are paying this nominal entry fee to be there. But in exchange for that, they're not getting spammed with sponsored content or Mm. anything shitty. It's like, no, no, this is literally the inner circle. So I am obsessed with
0: Sunroom wow okay I'll have to check it out but oh god I don't know how many social medias I can can manage but we'll see we'll see I'll give it a go all right my love thank you so much for joining me for today's episode I will have all
1: of the links to your social media feeds and also your podcast as well in the show notes
0: oh yes amazing thank you
1: Before you run off, I just wanted to mention that over on Sunroom, you're going to find exclusive content that will be seen nowhere but Sunroom. And the reason for this is Sunroom is a safe platform. Things can't be screenshotted, they can't be shared or taken out of context, really. Sunroom is the inner circle and I am over there sharing workouts, reflections, honest, truly raw thoughts and feelings instant reactions to certain things that are going on in my life, and so much more. Over there, you can also organize your own custom experience. If you've ever wanted to book a mentoring session with yours truly, to perhaps take your idea for your own podcast and start creating. Maybe you have a podcast already, but you really want to learn some of the tricks of the trade when it comes to monetizing, streamlining, pitching to guests or just creating a stronger podcast in general. I'm the first person to say I am not a business strategist, but I certainly am someone who loves the podcasting space, and with over 400 episodes under my belt, I will happily help you to learn from the mistakes I've made in the past and to cut out some of those tricky lessons and to just benefit from that experience. I love talking about podcasting and personal branding so if you want to book a session with me you can do that through sunroom as well you can also receive personalized voice notes and advice and so much more over there link is in the show notes. so come on over join the inner circle and the circle is small so the messages are getting answered quickly and i am available to you over through the sunroom app link is in the bio. Today's podcast episode was recorded on the land of the Bunjilung Nation. In the spirit of reconciliation, we acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today.
2: Hold up.